0: Look out for these and other great new releases from Guild at your local video library. I'm
1: Jake Brady. This is Club Hell. Thanks for coming,
0: kids. Come on.
2: Hello. This is Notes from the Back Row cinema podcast of commentary, questions, answers, dreams, fears, joy rides, hell rides, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the Mind.
0: Welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, Hoser Horror Edition, eh? This episode, as always, in the Notes from the Back Row feed, which is a podcast feed you can put in your player and you get lots of different stuff, sometimes episodes of Hoser Horror, sometimes episodes about junk horror, sometimes uh, Carlo and Jenna talking about anime, (laughs) (laughs) -anime. post-anime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Post anime um, club. Yeah. So yeah, if you're first time here on the feed, check us out um, at back dot You can follow our social media at backrowcineblog on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can email us at backrowcineblog at backrow dot um, Today, I am here, Dan Gorman with Carlo. You talking to me? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Carlo it's just carlo
0: the hoser boys at, back at it again and
1: yeah one and a half <laughs> hoser boy yeah <laughs> i'm like an honorary at honorary hoser <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs>
0: today so so special and excited to have our first guest on the show he hosts kawaii trash podcast is a chud buddy himself adam Trout.
2: yay what up yay <laughs> i'm finally here the chud trio <laughs> Yeah, it's the Triforce Chuddidy. it feels so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. So, if you looked at the title of this podcast before you press play, which I assumed you did, you know that it's Slasher episode. Woo! Woo-hoo. We're talking about uh, movies slashing. where people get murdered.
2: Canadian ones, so they're extra mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though most Canadians are nice, these ones are. Yeah, what's up with that? These ones are mean.
0: <laughs> yeah um so let's dive right into our episode from 1982 our first film is called visiting hours in this hospital your next
2: visit may be your last all visitors please leave the hospital
0: Visiting hours, so frightening, you may never recover. Starring Lee Grant, William Shatner, Linda Pearl. This is a movie that stars Michael Ironside, Lee Grant, Linda Pearl, William Shatner and more, directed by Jean-Claude Lord. Um the synopsis is Deborah is a controversial middle aged TV journalist who is campaigning on air on behalf of a battered woman who murdered her abusive husband, claiming justifiable defense against the so-called victim. But her outspoken views championing women's rights incense one of the studio's cleaning staff, a homicidal <laughs> racist and misogynist named Colt Hawker. Oh god. Um, which sets what, what off a name.
1: What a name. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that sets off the whole uh film itself. And um to very quickly set the table around this movie, um, I made some notes based off of some of the stuff I read on conexploitation.com. And in the late sixties there was this movement in Quebec cinema that uh calls ma- quote unquote maple syrup porn, which was <laughs> an extension of the movies in America that you would call a nudie cutie. So they were kind of mimicking um, that kind of movie when there was some censorship that was lifted in Quebec. And so there was a lot of that happening. Um, so and... they went
2: right ahead and just did Ilsa.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there was a lot of stuff like that going on. And from what I can tell, I haven't seen any of Jean-Claude Lord's earlier work, but I've heard that it could be a scene as a reaction to that, like cinema wise, there was a lot of sex films and a lot of comedies and a lot of family movies. And what he did was he went and released a movie called bingo, which was like, <laughs> from what I've read, very explicitly political. So, I, thought,
1: this...
2: you're gonna no. <laughs> no. I-, I thought you were going to say pornographic. No. I thought you were going to say it's
1: about the dog. I'm like, B I N G O.
0: <laughs> there is a movie called Bingo with a dog wearing sunglasses that I thought was what this was referring to when I first read it. <laughs> I
2: was like, is that a Canadian movie? When did the Canadians get in on the dog exploitation genre? That's what I want to know. Oh, yeah. That's oh, we true. do.
1: Like we do. Karate Dog? Karate Dog.
2: Bob Clark, oh, man. yeah. I guess that counts. <laughs> unofficially but (laughs) yeah so
0: so this director had had kind of made a name for himself as being a very political filmmaker and this was his first film in english um and it also landed on the video nasty Hmm. list
2: yeah well it it was taken off it was one of those like light ones but uh, the cover like uh, the first thing i have to talk about this film is the cover because the cover is iconic oh like the hospital lit up with uh, lit up as if it's like a skull like that is like and that's the weird thing about this movie is that it's, like, it was almost um, marketed as a slasher film. And people mm-hmm. almost know it more as a slasher film. But when you watch mm. it, it's more of, like, a traditional thriller kind yeah, of film. Yeah, I agree. Um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I wouldn't call this a slasher either. Like, at best, it's I'd call it, like, just the portrait of a disturbed man, really. Yeah, <laughs> but it,
2: gets, it always gets roped into slasher. And, in, like, mm. if you went to, like, the horror section, it would just be there. So that's yeah. probably why it got roped yeah. with... um And... Um, even though I don't think there's any breasts in this, uh, anything with blood on breasts for the video nasties list was like a no go, but yeah. explicitly the violence towards women in this film, I think is probably too what might've, cause definitely, I mean, the film starts that, which is to me, the best scene in the whole film is when Lee Grant gets attacked by Michael Ironside for the first time in her house. Um, it is pretty brutal and it's, it's very like strange because michael ironside is shirtless wearing her jewelry yeah like you get quick clashes of him but you're just like you're in a total state of confusion of why he's doing what he's doing and the way he is doing it yeah and um i think it's the most tense scene in the film too because it's just like i don't know just the way it's set up because i think we know like she's gonna get attacked and she's just completely oblivious to the fact and um
1: it's it's kind of interesting to me that that kind of stuff doesn't happen again though like you know like uh putting on the victim's clothes or or makeup or or jewelry or whatever like (laughs) it's not a pattern like there's almost like not really a pattern to the way this guy operates um which to me was very interesting uh i felt like you know it's like just michael ironside as a character in this movie was like he made it um he made the movie better than it might have otherwise been. If, if Michael Ironside wasn't there, it wouldn't have been as good, I'm pretty sure. Like, he like, he
2: he brought more to his character than I think was written. And so it plays mm, that way mm, too, because yeah, Michael Ironside is- Yeah, he's just
1: an intense, he's intense. He has a scream presence, you know? Like, I mean, the fact that he even got this role was because of uh, Scanners, um, which was also like a, a, a Pierre David production. Who um, always uh, work with Cronenberg and stuff?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's maybe another reason why this could, would get lumped into that stuff because it is from the producers of Scanners and yeah I, I think that um, when it was made that that it probably got lumped into that that kind of category and again like Adam said the the uh, the cover is so iconic and and I do think yeah it I think there's enough that of like stalking and slashing that it kind of feels like a slasher but yeah I, for me this movie really caught me off guard in the sense of I wasn't expecting the kind of movie that it was. And I felt like the direction was actually really like, I really loved this movie pretty much. And yeah, I just thought, I I didn't expect it to be that kind of thriller. And I found the stuff like, like with the, um, him not going back to doing things like wearing her jewelry and stuff. It felt more to me just like, I think the reason why it was so scary to me was like that he is just some rando and he like doesn't have yeah. a pattern. He just like, yeah, whenever exactly. he gets mad, he seems to like direct his attention in random, you know, areas is like, as long as it's towards. a yeah. woman. It, it, <laughs> it is
2: until he just predictably becomes like this, like anywhere guy that just has access to everything and anything. And like for plot contrivance sake, he basically can just teleport. And he just, the way he operates in a way is like, so It, it it's scary at first because like I so said, that first attack, you're like, Oh shit, she was attacked in her home. And, But then, like him, just so easily sneaking into the hospital, and like no one paying attention to this woman who was obviously attacked, and then the woman (laughs) next door getting murdered, who was in her old room, and everyone being like, "Oh well, you know," even though they clearly all know that she was attacked by, she was specifically targeted. Yeah, you know, and they play it up where William Shatner is like, "Oh well, it's not. It's just because she's a woman speaking out for women's rights," you know, and that's that's where the film kind of almost wants to make it sanctimonious, where it's like. Oh well, here's a strong woman saying talking about women's rights for women's rights and she's being attacked for it and like the film almost kind of gets somewhere with it where it's like she's forced into a corner where she has to fight back and she apparently yeah. has a very nonviolent stance on things. Totally. Um, <clears throat> and you know, this film is actually more of like how slashers had the effect on mainstream media at the time that was indirect where a uh, film's like uh, he knows you're alone that's mm-hmm. not exactly a slasher film but it's like a thriller almost almost uh rape revenge film without the rape necessarily but like a woman who's been kind of traumatized by an event who comes back around to getting her revenge. There was a lot of films like that that were being doing well like low budget films like I said like uh He Knows You're Alone mm-hmm. and um When a Stranger Calls. Like those are the films where and this Visiting Hours I would lump together where they're like they're pro they're not really slashers but they have the 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 means of the slashers but yeah. they just kind of got they got roped together because of the violence against women. Yeah, you know. And,
0: but I would say, to, um, the th- one of the things I liked about this movie, where I felt like what maybe you didn't feel was effective in the sense of like how it got to like what what it was trying to get at. I kind of liked the idea that the movie, she, the movie has her character. Um, be this, like, person who doesn't want to do to ha- be a violent person and is very anti-violent. And I liked that at the end of the movie when she is forced into that corner and she is forced to murder him. I, I, you see so many slashers where at the end of the movie they kill the bad guy and, like, they hug and then, the like, the credits roll. And I, I did respect that this movie basically shows her, like, she's murdered him, sh- there is blood on her hands, and she's, like, fucking broken. Like, she is, like... Screaming and like upset and like she's like totally ruined by this experience, this horrific experience at the end of the movie. It's not like a happy ending that she murdered him. It's like I found it very like holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> when this movie ends, yeah, it's,
1: it's like not glorifying that revenge aspect at all. It's it's just like terrible for everyone, really. Yeah. yeah.
2: It to me the problem is she's just not a developed character. So when we get to that like catharsis at the end where she's supposed to be kind of and that's where at the end. It's like where she's the paparazzi is taking pictures of her, and someone says, "Oh, have you changed your stance on violence?" You know, that's where it's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. they've they've like saved themselves somewhat to that degree, and 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 sort of like the whole stalking and slashing of like what the film is." And my problem is, all three female characters are basically stupid idiots. Like you have and and victims hey, and like w- those
1: are your words, man. I mean,
2: <laughs> no, they are, but like, so she stay I mean. It's already just kind of. I mean, the film asks you to really like. And thrillers are like this, where you have to suspend your disbelief. Hmm. This one really does ask a lot, considering that it's like you know, it's it's really shoot. It's like ham-fisting this like hospital theme, you know, that, which isn't new, considering like like you know, Halloween two and a bunch of other films that kind of did like a, a horror hospital setting. Yeah, and it's like. She's just there at the hospital, and she's just kind of stuck there because they keep elongating, like, her surgery or whatnot. And it's just, like, the the levels of ludicrousness in keeping her there. And then people just being, like, oh, there's one cop by the corner they're watching. Like, it's just, like, you would think that people would be better. And there's it almost gets to a thing where it's, like, men are so ignorant about the violence done by women that they don't care enough. Like, especially when the uh, woman who gets uh, raped and beat up by Michael Ironside like, has the photograph. She left the apartment. And, like, they go to the police, and the police are like, uh, okay, well, you are gonna have to wait. You know? And, like, the nurse who has to go back to, you know, she hears... Michael Einstein calls her because he's been snooping around her house and knows where she lives and is gonna go for her kids or whatnot. And she goes and tries to talk to someone and then just frustratingly just leaves and goes herself, even though she stupidly has no way that she knows she's gonna take (laughs) on this guy with her child. So what ends up happening? She ends up just getting a knife in the gut. And it's more... It's it ends up being more kind of sad than anything else, just because. But you're just like dummy, call someone or go, like you know. like (laughs) Yeah,
1: but it's a slasher or like a horror movie, so people are stupid, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like in like uh, in My Bloody Valentine, just the same. People are fucking idiots, you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it's like you have you have a thriller where you want the characters on some level to be smart. And it's, like, mm, yeah. the, the issue here for me is this film is basically discount Brian De Palma. Like, it really is, like, third-rate. <laughs> you have the, the the Herman S score. You have... And I really think they were trying to imitate Brian De Palma. But Brian De Palma, he kind of brings more, like, social-political baggage to his films. I mean, I mean, let, let's not kid around. I'm dressed to kill is transphobic. But, like but the way he shoots his films and the way like he kind of has his victims versus like the victims in this movie, there's some degree of intelligence. It's just a different kind of intelligence. Yeah. I,
0: I don't disagree that the fact that like the characters in this movie are definitely like on the thinner side of how they're sketched. Like they're Mm -hmm. definitely, but, but I think what, uh, about what this movie did well for me that I enjoyed was if, if there wasn't a lot there in terms of like, their characters, or even the, the stuff about like whether they're doing or not doing anything that was smart. I think what what worked for me was that I, I did come in expecting a slasher, so I almost came in at the exact right sort of level for this movie. <laughs> not wanting I, more than what, it like, had. I, yeah, like yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, if it's not a slasher, but like I'm also now expecting a slasher so i'm going to be able to put up with some of that like if they're not the best characters and they're dumb but then i yeah. also got like a little like extra spoonful of interestingness <laughs> on top of it i think and I, yeah. I did also feel like i enjoyed that the movie was kind of um framed around the trio of women and i did like that kind of like um element of the woman who is assaulted by michael ironside and and she's kind of like um, unsure if she wants to help out the main character or not and they kind of have to like figure out if they're gonna band together and and share their knowledge
2: crossing like she just so happens the, the subplot of her working at a free clinic like not even near the hospital and it just happens to be where the woman who has been raped and victimized shows up and like you know, they have that kind of interlinking. And again, it's like you can take it as women are exposed to the same kind of violence, but the film I don't think it explores it at all. It's like it's like me trying to find more in it. But yeah. I what I will say to the film's the film's credit is that it's a very workmanlike thriller, which is why <laughs> it like I don't think it's a bad film necessarily like yeah. I don't think it's a terrible film. Like watching it it's fine. The only thing for me is that it was just so overlong, which a lot of eighties thrillers have that issue. Yeah. Like because what ends up it becomes it becomes like monotonous of like Michael Ironside stalking and slashing and stalking and slashing and stalk and then you have that extended version which is almost parody at the end where she's she goes into the basement and she's running and then there's that little Austin Powers cart that they're riding around and then he just comes from the ceiling like it, it just it was it I just, loved that. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I was like oh, I, was, shit. I was ready for either of them to kill each other like 15 minutes back I was like just that's fair do it already like just it's fair it is longer it's prolonged a little
1: i would definitely call this movie like you know minimal uh but in a good way for me i mean i like the way it was paced and the way it wasn't like all about instant gratification just like stretching that stuff out and even just the way michael ironside like moved in this movie it it felt very like capricious to me you know like in the way that a virus just travels wherever the wind takes it latching on to whomever crosses his path like he doesn't really care Kind of like he's walking around in his own like fucked up RPG world, you know. He's got his main mission, but but he's also taking on side missions just to just to level up for the fuck of it, you know.
2: Well, the notes the notes in there about like the white supremacy are, are far more interesting than the whole women's rights thing because that then brings up a weirder notion of like him just killing random people because he doesn't agree with them, even though there's no other attacks against anyone else except he's obviously like a non-human like i love the scene where he's pushing the one guy in the wheelchair and he's trying to have a conversation with him and it's like nothing <laughs> yeah, it's just not, you not happening you know yeah. and, and there's the one element i really like of his character is that bell he wears around his neck not just because it's like an audio visual thing that they can use as like a gag, like a like they have like a pseudo scare yeah. of like oh i can hear the bell in the like surgery room when it's like someone's dog has or something but it's just it's, <laughs> it it like um it on some level means he has some kind of principle and, yeah. I mean, it shows, like, when he goes to visit his dad and stuff. But, like, the stuff of, like, his dad being on top of him when he was a kid and then his mom throwing a pot of boiling oil on his dad is just kind of... That's all just kind of, like, nonsensical if you want to think about him as, like, a killer. And then the white supremacy thing. Um, but he's, like, not stupid. Like, the one of the best scenes in the film is when he has to get inside the hospital and this is where i didn't even connect like oh how is he like he's kind of like closed himself off in the hospital and he just yeah. he like he smashes his arm on that fucking bottle and it's just gruesome but it's like that's his way back in
0: yeah i mm, like yeah
1: that. that was a really fucked up scene man just
2: well, like, yeah that effect on just, the arm
1: just like this also like the sound effect of his flesh like grinding into yeah. the bottle and then seeing that just uh, that's that was like close to being like yeah like body horror ish you know <laughs>
2: The scariest thing in this film, though, is Michael Ironside wearing that leather tank top with the zipper (laughs) on the side like he came off the set of cruising. (laughs) Ah! That is just too... That is too much for me. Like, when he took (laughs) off his, like, and he had... uh, Like, girl, how could you not know? That is the biggest red flag. Like, who is going to pick up Michael Ironside at a diner where he orders a milkshake? Like... (laughs) <laughs> she was looking for trouble in that she it's Michael Ironside, but you know, it's like it's within the realm where he's just a normal guy, I guess. I don't know. He's primo creep, which is why he's so good, you know. I don't
1: think anyone thinks of this guy as normal when they when they see him, but that therein lies the appeal, I suppose. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's yeah. true. Bad boy, but it yeah. yeah, you know, there's bad boy and then there's Michael Ironside, you know. He's <laughs> gonna like he's gonna make your head explode. Like, yeah, I
0: did <laughs> I did like that um Yeah, like, I know what you mean about the scene where the woman who gets attacked by him goes back to his apartment and he has all the framed letters of, like, him uh, saying that he doesn't want, like, anyone who's not white, you know, Mm. to have any opinion and he's super racist and they don't really address that. But I did kind of, like, I was basically viewing this movie where he's not really a, 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 like... A character, he's just more like I just viewed him as like he's every garbage man, yeah. you know, and he's coming for all these women, and he and he almost just like represents like that type of person. So I, I in some ways, I was kind of like I'm glad they like added an extra shade of like, and also he's a fucking racist man too, and like I maybe well, they like
2: didn't, they didn't give me more reasons to hate him. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's just so creepy <laughs> that you know him taking a drink of a milkshake is enough to like just you not want to <laughs> meet him in person but yeah um
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i i i, I kind of just really liked the way this movie just kind of let you fill in your own blanks you know like it, it wasn't like very explicitly explaining everything just like showing bits here and there and if you've seen enough of these kind of movies you kind of know what these characters are about and in, in, in that sense i got into it uh, it's just like you know i like i said i could just fill my own blanks in and <laughs> just coast on the vibe of the movie uh, yeah. which was which was great to me like it felt you know like extreme extremely quebecois in a way that reminded me of like you know other Cronenberg movies like you know the brood for example it's like the hospital with the brown carpeting just in yeah. itself, is like, super specific. Um, it's a really,
2: it's a striking hospital from the outside. Hmm. Like, I like how they're, whenever they shoot it, they can never shoot, like, the top of it. It's always, like, because it's such a tall building. And <laughs> uh, I like the way that it's kind of engulfing. And they they sort of try to get into this whole losing yourself in such a safe place with her going into the basement at the end and, hmm. and, yeah. and stuff like that, too. Except she stumbles across the room with the nurse who's been stabbed, which that, to me, was a hilarious scene, too, because it's, like... <laughs> Really, girl. But that also that uh, this is one of those movies where when someone picks up like a baby doll, it shrieks. It's louder than anything else in the movie, <laughs> and you're like, what batteries do they have in that baby? And then it's so funny because later, Michael Ironside uses it over the phone, and thankfully, <laughs> when she gets back to her house, he's destroyed the dolls because. It's such a, a canny giveaway. You have this screaming baby doll.
0: That baby doll's so weird, <laughs> yeah, so weird. But it
2: just shrieks. Like it doesn't even say mama or cries. It just screams. <laughs> like babies scream a lot. Like like.
0: Yeah.
1: Who, who buys that for their kid and, and goes like, Yeah, I can live with this. New from
0: Mattel, the deep red uh, <laughs> doll.
1: Baby deep red.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I. This is a movie that I can both understand and like not understand that it gets such a bad rep because from the one perspective i do think that like it isn't what people expect and it is kind of in a halfway zone between two certain kinds of movies so i could totally Mm. understand somebody watching it and being like yeah like it didn't fold come like fold out the way i wanted to and it does have all those cliches and it seems to be reaching for more but it doesn't you know maybe it doesn't get all the way there but then I I don't know if it was just my mood or what, but yeah, like I I was like super into it the whole way through, and I thought some of the some of those stock scenes were amazing. I Mm. when that when she gets stabbed from under the table, oh god! I don't I don't know why I was so surprised because I knew it was something was coming.
1: Like like a very unnatural angle and a place for him to be. Like you never expect him to like stab her from that (laughs) place. So awkward! It's so like you you can't call that
0: like the awkwardness of it was like what made it weirder and yeah. scarier to me. Yeah, and this yeah. arm
1: looks so long in that scene as well. Like dude's got a fucking baboon arm just stabbing there <laughs> like from under the table. It's
2: And it's, I mean look. it's 82, so yeah, it really is right before slashers had their yeah. primo golden age. And um, you know, there was a lot of negativity around these types of films, but I mean, yeah. exploitation films with women and and stuff like that. The majority of them are kind of like this. I feel like, like like when a stranger calls and stuff like that. Like I don't I don't think exactly, but I don't think they, you know, I don't think they exactly, they're exploitation films. So I don't think there is a point to be made about the violence against the women. It's just this one I think uses that as a, as as they were a little bit more aware that they had Mm. to kind of cover their asses. So that's why they included that stuff in, but they didn't think deeply about it. So I think exploitation people will be totally fine with it. Like I know this is one (laughs) that always shows up on underrated slashers lists and, I can kind of see how that that makes sense in mm-hmm. that way. So, because like I said, I don't think it's an awful film. I just I'm a Brian De Palma hag, so it's <laughs> yeah. Like... I
1: mean, De Palma is great. I love De Palma, but t- comparing this to De Palma is a little bit like comparing like Hollywood cinema with exploitation cinema. Like they're putting, they have different priorities. Um, so it's a little bit harsh to compare that to like trying to be Di- uh, Brian De Palma. Like it is kind of what it is, trying, but you can't really expect it to have fully succeed at that. Um, yeah. but, to me, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's my take. It's definitely, <laughs> yeah, it,
0: it's definitely going for that like like all like almost Hitchcockian thing where mm. there's a lot of that like the tracking shots and the, it's very like slick in a wide angle kind of way. But yeah, it's still
1: like lowbrow
0: cinema. Yeah. In the end.
2: Well, what's interesting, yeah. though, is that the one thing that shocked me is um, Fox distributing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see the Fox, because I was, again, this is back when big studios were like, oh, shit, slashers are making money. Let's Paramount, Universal, you know, oh, let's get in on this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the next one we're talking about is one of those films totally. where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, studios, because the budget for this thing was nothing. And, and I'm sure did find it did fine at the box office, but, you know, it's like slashers, cheap budget, huge returns so yeah
0: and like they got um william shatner in there as like Mm -hmm. a character who isn't the main character but he's there (laughs) he doesn't eat the set
2: for once you know i mean he just eats yogurt (laughs) oh yeah that's that's a very odd scene there
0: <laughs> i saw one or two reviews that were just like yuck like why is he eating that yogurt in that scene <laughs> yeah it's pretty <laughs> that i think yogurt it, made it I, thought, I took
2: it as it was hers and like they might have cut out the scene where she offers it you know and he just he just took it for himself anyways or he yeah. was feeding it to her because there's a pseudo kind of romantic relationship between the two but it's more like it's more like they're just uh yeah know, co-workers yeah, and i don't that. know
1: what was going on there between them but I how also, come william shatter doesn't get really stalked
2: care. I wanted to see that. I, 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 I'm glad he, I am glad he doesn't show up at the end and had like a Michael Ironside, William Shatner off in like the yeah. hallway. But I think I would have loved that as well because that would have just been insane. But they they he, they dialed him they dialed him down for that. So yeah, Bravo. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> um. So, visiting hours in terms of Canadiana, it takes <laughs> place at a real hospital in Quebec. Yep. Um, Carlo, uh, you, did you write the name down?
1: Yeah, it's uh, like the Real Life Veterans Hospital in Sandville, Quebec. Yeah. Um, which is called, in the movie, the County General Hospital, just which is like the yeah. most bland whatever name. Yeah. I, I
2: didn't get any notes of... Maybe I'm not as uh, in tune with my canadian Hoserisms? But, yeah, yeah, that's kind of
1: the point of uh, this this thing. But... but I mean,
2: for this one, I, couldn't, I didn't pick up any notes. Like, mm-hmm. there was nothing that really... I know Michael Ironside being a Canadian actor, you know he he just he was yeah, just yeah. Right Sh- off of, too. He was right off of um, Scanners, and he did this, mm-hmm. and then h- hilariously his next film was something called American Nightmare, which is another slasher, but it's of course <laughs> set in Toronto. So it's,
1: it's, yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, there there is. For for the listeners, there is a uh, upcoming episode where we're going to do movies that have the name American. Oh, in there it. you go. Better <laughs> are said in Canada. A little cheeky. Dual <laughs> yeah. citizenship
2: episode, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and I can I can actually understand this movie not feeling like if somebody, you know, especially to people that aren't like us that haven't seen a lot of like exploitation movies, like I, I think a lot of people could just watch this and say like, okay, yeah, it's just a bit like it. It doesn't like it feels to us like. Like, to the three of us, like, Canadian, because we know, you know, Cronenberg, and we mm-hmm. know, like, the kind of vibe of these movies, and it I has that to it. I guess the hospital.
2: I guess that, yeah, I didn't, because, uh, you know, you get, like, like, for me, like, uh, Creepers, or It Came From Within by Cronenberg, is, like, the first, one of the yeah. first Canadian horror films I saw where it mm-hmm. just distinctly felt Canadian. Yeah. You know, like, that chilly, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, like beyond clean vibe of that play. And I mean, that's, you know, that's Cronenberg. he's obsessed with stuff that are, that are way yeah. beyond clean. And, and, uh, and with this one, I guess the hospital setting make, makes sense, but it just makes yeah, me it think. It has like, that a little, it has that a yeah. little, but not, yeah. not
1: like yeah. on level of a level. He Cronenberg probably was
2: though. happy about the kill with the woman with the tube breathing out and he slashes it. Oh yeah. Um, Cronenberg was probably like, oh yeah, that's it. That's the stuff. <laughs> but not yeah, like, the, not like the guy getting the ball shoved in his mouth, you know? Oh Yeah. <laughs>
0: The, the, like, exteriors kind of feel Canadian-y, but mm-hmm. not in the way, like, in other movies that we've watched. Like, uh, we did Death Weekend for one episode, and that yeah, movie, true. like, screams, like, backwoods Canada. Mm-hmm. So I could I get that. No there, accent there is... slips?
2: No one, no one slips uh, in their accents? There were a
1: couple. Oh, right. oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I picked up on a couple, for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, died think... in the wool hoser over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, a security guard outside of the hospital, he, he, he had, like, he very died. distinct hey, A at, at one point. Yeah. Oh. Um, i'm That's a security guard eh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly that was a line <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah,
1: yeah o- that- o- other than that you know just like i like uh like you mentioned ironside's canadian he's uh, mm-hmm. a toronto guy i, I think even uh, shatner's canadian and you've got also uh, harvey atkin in there uh plays a character called bradshaw uh he also played morty in meatballs. Yeah. and
0: meatballs so, uh, and uh uh, deep Canadian cut here he was the voice of a furniture uh, company here in Canada called Leon's he had a very oh, really? distinctive voice and every Leon's commercial was his voice so like there was a number of reviews were that were written by Canadians that I read that were like the guy from Leon's <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I think Lee yeah.
2: Branson this uh, she's not Canadian but no, she's not but she was coming off of the omen too so yeah. I think mm. A lot of prestige actresses around that time were like, hey, oh, will give me a paycheck, you know? Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I think that's why she largely took this. But it was one of those things where critics backlashed her for it. Like, what yeah. are they, what is she doing in this trash? But again, it's like, horror was hot. Why yeah. not? I'm not going to not and, take a role and get paid lots of money for this, you know?
0: Yeah. And that was something that did bleed over into Canadian exploitation. Like we mentioned on the Death Weekend hmm. episode where the director of that movie, was like a Canadian darling and had done a bunch of like really important cinema for Canada and then made this movie that people were like, this is disgusting. So that, that like kind of trend of being like, what are you doing in this? Like you were supposed to be better than that. I think that <laughs> like,
2: became a thing. Cause Sarah Eggers, you know, yeah. she's yeah. like, she's one of those people where they're like, what is she doing in the brood? You know? And yeah. she's <laughs> brilliant in that. And it's like, she's a good actress and she's attracted to totally. different material, you know? Mm. And, yeah. um, Uh, Well, never mind, I guess it's a weirder one, but Creepers has what's-her-face, but she's, like, from horror, so that wasn't anything that too weird for her.
1: (laughs) Um, One other thing that kind of struck out to me in the movie, like, Michael Ironside's character, uh, at one point he's, like, on the phone calling with, I don't know, I don't really remember who, like, maybe a doctor or something, and he mentioned something about, like, he lives on Drake Street, but in Boston, And and he also has like an American flag in his apartment, Hmm. which are kind of like weird indicators. Like, okay, is this movie saying this takes place in America or is he just like uh, an American guy living in? Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's also a very Canadian thing. The like, we're not saying it takes place in America. but We're also not saying it takes place in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah,
1: don't know what was up with that, really. But (laughs) other than that, I didn't really notice anything like making it more American than it's really is, you know.
0: Um. Well, let's go from the hospital into the mines with My Bloody Valentine from 1981. It's a bad time, this time of year. How many times is he gonna tell this
2: story? Oh, let him tell it. I love fairy
0: tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool. The first Valentine's dance
1: in 20 years has to be something special.
0: In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses
1: are red, violets are blue. One is dead. And so are
2: you. It can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town.
0: Starring Paul, Kelman, Lori, Hallier, and more. Directed by George Mihalka. And this movie. The synopsis is, Valentine's Day is coming around, and the young people of the small mining town of Valentine's Bluffs are organizing a party. A few decades earlier, an explosion at the mine trapped six miners underground. One miner, Harry Warden, survived, though in a deranged state. Warden is sent to the mental hospital and escapes later, murdering those he deems responsible for the accident. Now, people are being brutally murdered again, and the townsfolk suspect it is the work of Harry Warden. So this movie was shot uh, around one year in Nova Scotia, um, as you mentioned, Adam. Theatrically released by Paramount Pictures, um, they put it out on Valentine's Day. People didn't seem to like it.
2: <laughs> um. They, uh, they, I mean, it was a uh, speedy. I think they like pitched it in August, and like hmm. they didn't even have a script. They just had a title, which is, uh, you know, that producer apparently he would just have a title and they, they would just make a movie around it. But I mean, they it was the secret, I think. Yeah. it Was originally yeah. titled instead of My Bloody Valentine, and then they oh, were like, "Oh, that
1: was a work- working title, I think." Yeah. yeah.
2: And then they were like, "Oh, which holiday hasn't been done yet?" And yeah. I think, but didn't they sort of do Valentine's Day in um the Prowler? Isn't isn't that on uh, Valentine's, I Valentine's Day? That's
0: that's that's um around a Valentine's Day party. I believe that was the only well. thing
2: where I was like, they did because just because it wasn't named. But I mean, that killer isn't specifically like the Valentine's yeah. killer. You know, he was just. He kills people on Valentine's Day and he just... That one's like a military... Was yeah. that a... Re- you know.
0: What year was the Prowler? 81 as well. okay. yeah. But, yeah, Eighty one. Well. okay. But 81. I think
2: they were inspired just because in the Prowler, he's wearing military gear to cover his face. And, and here, it's the miner who wears the complete, you know, the complete thing. Um, this film, I have to say, it is my favorite slasher film of all time. And, you know it has been since I like, even before I wasn't very literate in slashers, it was one of the first that I had seen. And, and you know, that was back when it was the R cut of it. And even though if you've seen the R cut, it is cut to shreds. It really is, but it's still, it's basic ideas of the kills are still there. And um, it plays faster, obviously, because they really did cut out minutes of it. Um, But it's just the perfect like distillation of the slasher genre. And like, like, I actually used to watch it every year on Valentine's Day, mainly because I was usually single and I just felt good about seeing couples murdered. But like <laughs> there's just something about there's something specific about this film before a lot of other slash films in the 80s that is so vicious and and it's it's not te- it's for me it's not mean spirited, but it really is just like such a cold and vicious like slasher film yeah
0: it's interesting that it is so vicious and cold but at the same time has this interesting warmth to like the world and the characters Hmm. and i think a lot of that comes from like i i feel like it's a cliche to say now but like everyone always says about this movie that well the people aren't teenagers they're 20 they're in their 20s and they're working class yeah but it's
1: not just that i feel like it's just like the way the movie is structured you know it's not unlike other slashers in that you've got like this main cast of characters and you spend basically the entire movie with them. And it takes like at least until minute 70 before one of those people even gets killed, you know. And before that, there's like a bunch of kills like spread throughout the movie, but they're mostly like uh, characters adjacent to the main yeah. cast. Like people you don't really care about, but it doesn't really matter in a horror movie if people getting killed. Are people you care about? But it just builds that main cast of character so much uh that it makes you care about them by the time shit starts happening, since shit, yeah. shit starts going down with them. There's like a like a believable group dynamic uh by the end with them.
2: The only one that doesn't make sense, let me just say really quickly, is is just the first kill. Like Yeah, that's
1: just like uh whatever. Well, it's a great it's a great opener. I love yeah it's yeah just yeah. It's setting the tone. <laughs> but it's
2: that it's well I I'm ex, I'm I'm assuming though that's where the he gets the first heart to get sent to the police captain or whatever. Uh, yeah, because maybe. they he had to have gotten that heart from somewhere. Um Mabel makes sense because she's the one who was like You know bringing back the dance or whatnot Mm -hmm. and then uh the barkeep, whatever i don't know he just it's just gruesome that he just dies really horrifically you know like Um, with the
1: eyeball gouging thing is 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 that the the barkeep guy yeah yeah oh that's such a good kill that's that's my favorite kill in the movie oh yeah (laughs) just i love a good like eyeball pop
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i i um i watched this movie as well for the first time on vhs with the r-rated cut and when I was younger, I did I did kind of remember. It was one of those things where like this movie was still not like a super popular you know huge slasher, but there was those people in my life that had been very like going to bat for it. So when I did finally watch it, and it's very like in in that original version, like you said, like it's very like there he's about to kill somebody, and like you see his arm pull the thing down into the out of frame and then it cuts away. There was a lot of like cutting away. Do You know
2: why that works though? It's strange to me. Like, you know, obviously when you develop a taste for slasher films, I think this happens for most people, most people, You know, it becomes a thing of like, okay, are the kills going to be good? Is the gore going to be good? You know, when you go back and you watch, sometimes the slasher films are bloodless, but you still like them because they have a weird atmosphere or they're doing something else. Mm -hmm. And for this one, when I saw it particularly way back when, like I said, it was one of the first besides Friday the 13th, you know you remember it being a lot worse than it is but then totally. when you actually go see it you're like wow this is cut apart yeah. but the ideas that it has that are that are cut out almost makes your imagination worse like like <laughs> for me the and this is my all-time favorite slasher kill the the woman getting impaled on the shower is so nasty and so
1: gruesome and then he turns on the valve as well like spraying out of her mouth uh, and water
2: in in the edited version it's just so much more implied like you've Mm. seen none of the impaling but it's just the idea is still there you see that
0: shot of like the the guy finding her and you see like the repeat. Head from behind, yeah. and you can kind of see that there's something coming out of her mouth that's spurting water out, so it's, yeah, it man. just shows you enough to understand like she's been impaled on something and water's coming out of it, yeah. But it's like you don't actually see it ever happen.
2: Yeah. Now, now, did yeah. I lose my fucking mind when the uncut version came out? Oh, hell yes, I did because <laughs> the stuff is and it's so gruesome, too. Even and then they barely restored it, so there's that grind housey <laughs> look to it, where yeah, it I love just that makes shit. it, it looks so much. So... You dirty <laughs> yeah like how you used to see a slasher on vhs and it would just be mm. so fuzzy around the gory part because people would just rewind and fast forward. Yeah. you know they would they would overplay it and and it just it takes it to another level where you're just like yeah they were really focused on making you know and there was there was something with the behind the scenes where the director was like you know with slashers there was a the thing about one-upping each other mm. you know at that period where you can't just do the same kind of decapitation that friday the 13th does you have to do something different and you know that's what this film does it really just kind of you know but it, of course it became a victim of censorship because the NPA went to town on it and yeah you know
1: in like it came out in the aftermath of uh, like john, john lennon, lennon dying, getting a shot yeah. and and people like really pushing back against like friday 13 part one and they stuff. wanted
2: an excuse they that was an yeah. easy scapegoat for them i mean yeah that's, i mean people are always yeah.
1: looking for scapegoats so you know it's just this was a uh, uh of uh yeah a victim of that and and like i'll be honest i would never even seen this movie like the r-rated cut um so my first time coming to it all the gore was intact mm-hmm. so i don't really have that like experience of watching it without like watching this with the gore and like being aware of okay nine minutes of gore were spliced back in which is insane nine minutes is insane just like yeah. gore scenes i just kept thinking like how would this movie even function without the gore like <laughs> is it just people reacting to nothing you know like a thing that you would never even get to see like i'd be interested in, in seeing it now like go at watch this point yeah, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm kind it's of It's the interested. version
2: on everything, pretty much, unfortunately, mm. because the Blu-ray for My Bloody Valentine is out of print, and I have the DVD that they had released around the same time. They yeah. basically re-released it because of the sh- really shitty remake that they made, because it's yeah. Lionsgate. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that's honestly why this film had a lukewarm reception when it came out, because... Yeah. You know, you have slasher fans who are like, well, the gore is not really there, which, you know, slasher fans are going to go see it for the gore or the titties in the 80s, you know. (laughs) And actual film critics were just like, it's just another rote slasher. Mm, Yeah, that's the
0: weird thing, because, like, when you see the reviews of this, it's people talking like it's the most, like, depraved, gruesome movie they've ever seen. It's like Gene Siskel saying, like you know this is a dismal movie and like it's disgusting is that about the r-rated cut though yeah about the r-rated cut and he's like like one one guy from the edmonton journal said all this perverted gore is brought to you because of the canadian
1: film (laughs) development corporation that must have seen like a work print or something that's not possible (laughs) i don't know
2: well you take critics who are on autopilot for for slashers they're automatically going to auto critique uh, things like Ebert and Siskel who ironically just didn't see that they were being the adults and like people being like, Oh, EC comics are terrible for children. Oh, slasher films are terrible <laughs> for children. They were, they were, they were being cl- like pearl clutchers with this shit. Like, and because of that, they have that higher than thou on all slasher movies generally. Like, ebert liked some but cisco liked none of them pretty much like they took this sort of like i'm better than this material so i'm not gonna rate it even on i'm not even gonna meet it halfway to rate. am not even gonna see like it i'm just films. gonna write about it. i mean they saw them because you can yeah, watch cisco and ebert <laughs> yeah. they're always the dog of the week as these slasher films you know and they're like another but i love the way that they say it's another mad slasher movie you yeah. know and it's like mad slasher. Just call it slasher. Like and, yeah. you know,
0: teenage teenage body count. What is it? Was, uh, dead teenage movies. Dead teenager is, is movie. It's one, but yeah. it's like
2: <laughs> no. If you look closely, you know, for people who like slasher films, this one particularly is one that has something for. It. Obviously, the warmth of the characters and and yeah. the vicious kills, but the mind too. That really atmospheric, yeah. dark, dank, That's creepy place.
1: Perfect. Like that final stretch of the movie. Like I'll be honest. Like this, is the first uh, the the first time I saw this movie was probably. like, back in 2015 and this was my third time around and like it really vibed me this time but that final stretch where they go into the mines that was always like just impressive to me just like the vibe of the uh, of those mines you know like beautiful shots of the dark and dirty mine (laughs) shafts like like a major major mood for a horror movie
0: yeah um and and i one of the things that i like about this movie and and to to circle back when I did see it when I was younger and I was disappointed about the gore I still enjoyed it but yeah mm. it wasn't until later that I came back to it and really understood why it was like good even outside of the gore mm-hmm. but I think I what I like about this movie is and and this is so funny because it's you you kind of expect any movie to do this kind of thing but slashers don't do a lot of that like um setting things up and knocking them down in a way that doesn't feel so obvious mm-hmm. like the the way that this movie introduces them putting their coats up in the sea ce- in the ceiling mm. it is so like nice that it's not so in your face that like this is coming back later like i'm gonna scare you with this later well, when it's, it comes back like,
2: later too yeah it's very surprising because it's, it's a very, very surprising but scene. you
0: remember that it was shown to you mm. and yeah because it, yeah. it's done so like just right and i watched the remake after this re- uh, the, this past week I because i thought it was fun enough in the theaters in 3D, but, like, it's such a garbage movie now. <laughs> in 2D, it looks so ugly, but oh. they, they, like, do that scene where, like, she's running around, they're dropping, and I was like, I don't think... Maybe I wasn't watching close enough, but I was like, <laughs> I don't think you even showed me that these those existed. I think you're just pulling them out now because oh, we mine, know them from the original The mine
2: in the remake i mean the whole remake itself is just unnecessary and just like one of those slick they didn't give a shit and and it was just when real d was kind of catching on so yeah. i had that same initial when I, I went and saw it with friends when it came out like yeah it's fun yeah in 3d because there's <laughs> but it's because it's gimmicky and they have like yeah. the miner throwing shit at you but yeah. like with it it's not like final just the final destination or piranha 3d where it works not with the 3D, you know. Yeah. And exactly. this is just another boring slasher movie and they the the most hilarious thing about the remake that I'll say and the last thing I'll say is the when you go see it in 3D, the opening it's like it tries to repeat the same shot that my bloody Valentine original does, which is just the mine cart going slowly into the yeah. mine. Mm. And that's the scariest image in that whole movie. And that's like <laughs> the put on your 3D glasses now fucking video. Yeah. Like
0: Totally. Put
1: on the mask. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> they yeah, the 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 remake also gets all this credit for being like it it came out around that time where as long as it was fucked up and gory people loved it and it's Mm. like so it has some really like in extreme gore some of it's pretty ugly cgi gore but i think it gets a lot of credit because it is so gruesome but it's gruesome in a way that just feels like like my bloody valentine 1981 never feels like isn't this fucked up that I'm doing this? It it just does it, and it's mean and scary and freaky and disgusting. But the new one, I feel like, is trying to like cash in. It's just in soulless. It really on the original. It, yeah,
2: Lionsgate, like they didn't, they didn't care. I hate because on the fucking DVD they have a they have a besi- behind the scenes of like the making of my bloody valentine which is half of the making of Bl- my bloody valentine and then just a completely shameless advertisement for the my bloody valentine <laughs> remake where they talk about like oh we love the original so much and oh we care so no you fucking don't you don't <laughs> you haven't you barely watched it like you know and um it's it, they just get so much wrong and that comes down to even the twist in my bloody valentine which is on this on this watching I have come to the conclusion of how little it makes sense if you really think about uh, who <laughs> the killer is in this because just physically like that character must be like running really fast getting into the my inner gear yeah. running really fast killing someone uh, running really fast getting out of it and going back and just being in a place where you can talk to the other characters you know yeah. like yeah um, but that, I don't care. You don't care at the end of it, you know? You're just, like, whatever. And it's it ends on a creepy note where the person gets away. So it's, like, a yeah. pseudo-sequel, sort of, it's open-ended, kind of, the killer got away, which I, I always like those kind of endings. And
0: it ends on on him doing, like, a creepy laugh, and then it yeah. segues into, oh, like that awesome a pretty song. creepy song, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. song also done by the composer of this, Paul Zaza, who's mm-hmm. done a shitload of Canadian horror movies. Yeah. He's, like... You know like the volume of his work uh just like prom night one two three four ghost keeper curtains american nightmare every canadian bu- war movie bullies ever. the brain norman's awesome experience wow. freaking uh, karate dog amazing um but yeah I, I i like the the soundtrack of this movie it's not just that ending ending uh ending song just yeah the, totally the, like the music's very sparingly used and it's very minimal but it it does it ju- uh, it does a good job like um uh yeah, it the, just yeah. Works the interesting in that movie thing for me
2: too is that you know, for slashers, I mean now it's like how many slashers have been reappraised by fans. You know, mm. it's like you know, and I mean it's almost justified by DVD companies to be like, it's finally out. It's it's Killer Blade, and you're like, oh shit, and then you watch it and you're like, wait, this is awful. Like I just <laughs> spent forty dollars on this fucking Blu-ray, and it's like. You know, you can take something like another, another film from that time where the gore was cut out, but, like, it just relished, and this one, it's one of those films where the, the other stuff that's going on is so interesting that it, it's managed to live, like, it's mm-hmm. cult has managed to grow, because there's all that other stuff in the film that was great, because, like, I said, it wasn't until 2012 where we got that uncut footage you know and i mean i had the r-rated dvd for however long too you know just yeah. i didn't i no one ever expected because unfortunately with most of these slasher films the yeah, it's elements just gone the, it's just yeah usually
1: it, yeah like I, uh what's it like friday 13 part seven? Oh, like, part two oh, yeah. part oh, oh. two
2: that poor thing but again that film has so much weird stuff going on as well it's managed to just like you know but unfortunately yeah. i don't think we'll ever get part two stuff Cause that's another one. <laughs> Around that same time, I think it was it was that. Oh, actually, might be the same year, um, because they did that one year after uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part One, right? Yeah. So they should have done a, a Canadian Friday the Thirteenth. Oh no, they did. They did. I guess Jason X. <laughs> yeah, Jason X, starring. <laughs> they had to take it Karnenberg. to space. Yeah, he oh, gets some are, are we gonna have oh, no. to cover
1: Jason X then? <laughs> I mean, might as well.
0: <laughs> um, I I liked. Uh, carlo that you mentioned about all the trivia for this movie and mm. and one of the things that i thought was so funny was we, we all really love the mines and how like yeah. amazing they look but yeah. what, there's that behind the scenes tidbit where they said like he picked this location, yeah. and they were all excited about it. But then, when they arrived, the the, the owners were like, "We gotta make it look nice and yeah. clean it up." <laughs>
2: they said it looked like a. They said it looked like a Disney ride. Yeah, they, they spent by. like
1: t- thousands of dollars just cleaning that shit up. And then, and Mihalka and his crew got to the set and it was like, "This isn't why we chose this place." They <laughs> had to <laughs> spend more
2: money making it dirty. Yeah, again, so so they like funny.
1: painted it like dark and stuff to make it look creepy again. <laughs>
2: And in contrast to like you know the other slashers around the time, the mines. What was everything else? Summer camp, summer camp, summer camp, summer yeah. camp. Mm-hmm. This, here is something that's com- the palette is completely different from that. You mm-hmm. know, um, I can't think of many other slashers that have that same sort of dark setting. You know, specific setting. Uh, yeah. Even though you know you could you can go through the pantheon and probably find something that's similar
0: yeah but but movies where it, it's it surrounds like a group of people that you're gonna follow and that there is to, to have that kind of interesting element to it you're right like th- there isn't a lot of movies where it's like hey we're all going up to a cabin or like but also we're going in the mine. like there's no real uh, there's not a lot of other horror movies and where they have such a specific location
2: the specificness of the mines and the way they have in the film it's like a it's an unreality kind of place where there's a ladder they gotta climb up, and there's water, and there's there's other elements you really don't expect, and and then you don't expect the weapons and stuff that are down there. And that, the cool thing about this one was the they're all miner related and how all people die. You know, it's not like other other films where you can have something that specific where they're yeah, all miners it's, tools. It's probably
1: like you've got like the Valentine gimmick, but it's maybe more about like the mining angle. Like uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, like the Prowler doesn't have anything like that. No, no.
2: It it uses military stuff, but it doesn't. But that has nothing to do with, like. Oh, yeah, by the way, I looked up.
1: Prowler came out after My Bloody Valentine. What? My Bloody Valentine uh, got released in February of 1981, and The Prowler came out in November.
2: Oops, sorry, Slasher fans. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) They
0: still would have had to have been in production at some point yeah how each other? long does it take to make one of these not. i don't know maybe not <laughs> I thought actually you're right
2: those sat on the shelf as well i mean mm-hmm. i thought i don't know because i thought That's they made it possible. and it was called rosemary's something they were gonna call it rosemary something but they thought it was mm-hmm. too similar to rosemary's baby and then <laughs> you know but yeah
0: i i um yeah i really the the whole like um them being workman like i like having that bar to have them go to with all the moose head uh <laughs> lights yeah. and stuff it's
2: almost unapologetically Canadian oh yeah totally uh because here accents yeah they're of lion. <laughs> like
1: yeah that's the weird thing though yeah like you've got the main character TJ played by Paul Kem Kalman and he's got like a couple of stories in there where I was like oh shit, this guy's so Canadian and then look yeah. it up this guy's British he's, wow he's, 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 he's a british actor like there were points where i was like okay he sounds a little irish at points but i'm pretty sure he's canadian just based on those stories alone but nope just just a, a british guy yeah kind of irked me
0: <laughs> i love i love that though because he did he did it and like i didn't even second guess i was like oh yeah that's a canadian he's saying, yeah Sorry. there
1: you go you know
0: yeah (laughs) like uh,
1: wearing plaid shirts like everyone else in the movie as well
0: (laughs) yeah it's very like plaid shirt like lumberjack Mm kind of style and then that whole bar is just like like i've been in so many bars that look like that yeah Yeah, this this one feels a lot more canadian Mm. yeah
1: (laughs) also got a couple Um, other canadian actors in there like you've got cynthia dale uh plays patty um uh, she was in Heavenly Bodies, which is, like, basically Canadian flash dance. Um, also oh, the Don, cop. The cop, uh, yeah, Don, Don Franks. Uh, he, Chief, here's a Chief weird newbie. tidbit.
2: His daughter is Cree Summer, the voice actress. Oh.
1: He did voice work as well. Yeah, in um, heavy metal
2: and a few other things.
1: Yeah, in, uh, in rock and roll, he did the voice uh, yeah. of Mock, the main character. <laughs> which I uh, got to watch that. Yeah, rock and roll is great. <laughs> so, a,
2: the, the, probably the deepest cut you can get. <laughs> it is also Quentin Tarantino's favorite slasher movie, unfortunately. But, you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: I think that's one of those things where that that really opened this movie up to a bunch of different people. Mm. When he says, like, this is my favorite slasher, you know, like yeah, a yeah, yeah, shitload yeah. of people are going to come watch it. Well I'm
2: glad. You know, we're yeah, just absolutely. counting
0: down the time
1: until he just rips that movie off as well like it's it's, <laughs> it's good that people notice this movie and, and seek it out because he's saying like it's it's one of my favorite movies because in general he has good movie taste like there's a ton of like uh movies i've seen where he's obviously barred from like really obscure stuff and yeah I'm yeah i'm like okay I, I see what you're doing and i like the same stuff you're liking but it's so cheap that you're just
2: slasher fans though are very selfish they they, <laughs> they want to hold on to films that are like you know uh great and it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't it shouldn't be that way it should be but now i think it is a little bit different where people just kind of because you know slashers for the longest time are like trading cards for people you know oh have you seen (laughs) the prowler oh yeah yeah man and it's like it's that kind of like fandom that's kind of driven them i would
1: i would buy like a trading card like magazine (laughs) thing for i'm sure uh, in the 80s they
2: totally did have slashers Mm. like that were just um but it, need, it definitely needs uh, – I would love to see this, like, a 4K, 2K restoration of this because, mm-hmm. again, Lionsgate, that Blu-ray is out of print, and mm. pff, who knows, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, if Bloody Christmas can get remade twice, you know, <laughs> maybe <laughs> someone smart will remake My Bloody Valentine. And uh, the final thing I have to say about the film is it did give birth to one of the best shoegaze bands ever made. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Totally. And yeah.
2: I, I was at a horror convention once with a My Bloody Valentine shirt, the Slasher, mm-hmm. and someone was like, "Oh my god, I love that band. Where did you get that shirt?" <laughs> and we I was like, I was like, "Dude, we're at a horror convention." Yeah, what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> you can go yeah, right on the corner. Just go get I,
0: one. I I do like that, you know, one of one of the best slashers ever is Canadian. Yeah. Um, not just yeah. one, though. <laughs> yeah, not just one, all. but this is definitely and like Adam said like it has it has that slasher feel like mm. we can talk about black Christmas um, in yeah. a later episode but it doesn't feel 80s slasher the way this does because it was such yeah. an early example. It's,
1: it's early 70s as well yeah. like that stuff just feels different
0: yeah like the this is like prime 80s atmosphere mm, totally. of that like you know and, and there I've tried to nail this down in my little letterbox review but like there's something about paramount slashers like even though like obviously there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason as to like which one movies they made or like but there's just something about the atmosphere of movies that paramount made that were in the slasher like this and friday the 13th the first one or two and then before they got very like ridiculous but did then they also do terror train uh i don't know if they did terror train but i even find that um that's canadian april fool's day fits this kind of Vibe that Paramount has with their slasher Mm, movies. There's just something about the way that they look and feel. Oh, yeah, totally.
2: And, you know, this, like other Canadian slashers, there's that one upmanship that I think they were smart enough to be like, okay, there's so many of these being made. We have to do better than that. We have to Mm -hmm. make something that will make Americans go crazy Mm -hmm. And, and people in Toronto and elsewhere. But I think that spirit inhabits this film and then a few other Canadian slashers where a lot of... I mean, there's a dime a dozen American slashers that are boring as fuck. And, like, yeah. even ones that people would say are really good with really good gore, I could care less about because, mm-hmm. you know, they just don't have it. But, you totally. know, I'm, I'm the plain vanilla guy. I like... Uh, the Executioner, to me, is, like, such a great film. But to so many other <laughs> slasher people, I think that's NyQuil version of the slasher film, you know? So, yeah. it just it tastes very... <laughs> yeah
0: so i think um at the end of our episodes we try and figure out like if these movies are you know essential for films film fans that want to get into canadian films and as much as i love visiting hours i think i might have to keep it relegated as like like as like you know further studying Mm -hmm. you know you you uh, like obviously my bloody valentine is like another level of slasher it kind of goes do you love michael
2: ironside do you love him as a creep? Do you want him yeah. to see him hunt down women? Well, <laughs>
0: yeah. Like I would say to somebody, like you have to see visiting hours because I, I actually like love loved it, but mm. I would understand why it maybe wouldn't be the first thing. Like I would have to say, like you're gonna, t- I'm gonna tell someone to see My Bloody Valentine before I say, visiting
1: yeah, hours. yeah, yeah. Like My Bloody Valentine kind of goes without saying. Like everyone knows that's like at this point it's kind of an essential slasher movie, yeah. so it makes sense that it's like essential canadian uh, exploitation how many, how many
2: moose heads out of uh, are we giving <laughs> my bloody valentine and being canadian uh, they
1: drink yeah, a what, lot of moose head what, what, <laughs> yeah. what's the conversion rate between like stars and loonies or oh, I
0: <laughs> <laughs> eight i give it eight bags of milk out of ten <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'd say it's the second best canadian slasher of course black christmas being the first one but uh-huh, you know yeah. this one yeah. being the bloody the actual yeah one with the blood and stuff so yeah
0: absolutely it's one um, heck of a
2: double bill though
0: totally totally uh Adam, where can people find you online?
2: You can go read my two-star review of Killing uh, Visiting Hours on (laughs) Letterboxd under Karamashi, and my good one about My my Bloody Valentine. I also (laughs) do a bunch of other reviews on there, and then you can follow me at Twitter, at Karamashi as well. Um, I host Kawhi Trash, which has been a little bit on hiatus, but Um, some episodes are in the making, so, uh, that as well. And I'm on the Chud Buds Discord. Yes. Um, I do videotapes for the Chud Buddies and I'm on there and I show up to the Sunday screenings whenever I can, even though it's been a little (laughs) on and off. Um,
0: yeah. Um, visit us on Chud Buddies, chudbuddies.club. You can come and hang out with us and talk in there. Um, Carlo, where can everyone find you? Uh,
1: same as always. Carlo goes boom, Twitter ladder boxed doing my thing yes
0: carla goes boom and i am yck on un, uh, md underscore on twitter and Letterboxed. um and until next time uh keep your eyes on the moose heads and uh you're done eh
2: <laughs> is that the you guys don't do hoser out
0: no so <laughs> we should do hosers out <laughs> yeah. hosers out